Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Winning's hard. Really, really hard. Wednesday, November 16th, just a few days away from the Longhorns' last road game 2022 season against the Kansas Jayhawks, the Winning is Hard podcast back to preview Rock Chalk, Cameron Parker alongside Westcott Ebert. Just a few more left of these for the football season and still coming off a tough loss against TCU. I know we're trying to move ahead to Kansas Westcott, but you've had some more time to kind of think about the game, watch it a few more times. Any other final takeaways from Saturday's game against the Horned Frogs before we move on to KU? Yeah, well, well, we were, we, uh, were recording yesterday, Quinn Ewers, uh, was meeting with the media and um, he was asked about, you know, his footwork with some of the discussion uh, surrounding that. And, and he said that he thought that he's gotten a little bit lazy with that, and, and including, you know, how he moves in the pocket, um, his footwork, uh, getting handoffs. There is one handoff uh, that wasn't really very clean when they're trying to come out of uh, uh, the goal line in that game against TCU. So I think, um, you know, one of those, uh, areas for growth for for Quinn is uh, just a little bit more consistent, uh, you know, attention to detail uh, with some of those things. And, you know, certainly, you know, Sark has a reputation uh, for being, you know, very strong at developing quarterbacks. And, um, you know, I'm not sure how, you know, helpful uh, Hudson Card is in that regard. Otherwise, you know, pretty young quarterback room. Um, but, uh, you know, if Card you know, has any ability to, to help out uh, yours with those things. And I think that's something that would definitely benefit the Longhorns. Yeah, the list of QBs that Sark ha- has coached and developed is pretty long. You can start off with, I think, Carson Palmer, right? Palmer, Matt Liner, and then you can go the Jake Locker. He was a top NFL draft pick by the Titans. And then, of course, Mac Jones at Alabama. So we've seen the results of what he what he's done and through the – you know, a young Quinn Ewers season. We haven't seen him really improve the last three games, but how much of that do you think is just Quinn Ewers maybe kind of relying too much on his arm talent versus the coaching staff at fault for not developing him? Yeah, I think uh, probably a little bit of both. Um, you know, guys who are who are um, who are young and, and have the type of arm talent that yours have. Um, it's certainly not unusual to see them uh, get a little bit lazy with their footwork. I mean, I remember, you know, watching guys like Sam Darnold. I think when Texas played him, he was in his junior year, sophomore, junior year, been in the USC program a little bit, was still doing that kind of stuff, lazy with his footwork in the pocket, throwing off his back foot a lot. Um, but I would expect a little bit more 
uh, positive trajectory from yours. So I think, you know, a little bit of this is on Sark and, and AJ uh, Milwee a, a little bit as well. Um, you know, I, just in kind of uh, finishing my my rewatch, uh, a couple things that that stood out. Um, you know, one of them I think I misspoke on on Monday when I I said the um, the wheel route that Ewers missed, and then um, the uh, the corner uh, route that that Xavier Worthy uh, ran. Those were both on the same drive, and uh, just in in watching that as well, the the drive that they um, turned the ball over on downs in the red zone, and um, you know the other thing too, like I thought. Uh, Quinn made a nice throw to to Worthy on a on a go route down the sideline there, and uh, Travis uh, Hodges Tomlinson, you know, just basically committed pass interference, and that was a good throw by Quinn. I think that would have been a touchdown, uh, but the pass interference hadn't been committed there. But then, you know, another throw that um, you know stood out. Uh, he had Jordan Whittington on a on a glance route in the end zone. I think that may have been on uh, on first down uh, after that. Um, uh, pass interference penalty on, on Hodges Tomlinson. And um, the timing was maybe a little bit early, you know, he threw it with anticipation, but he just really gunned the ball in there. And, you know, so as soon as, you know, Whittington got his head around, um, you know, that football was coming in at a hundred miles an hour. Uh, we've seen, you know, Quinn do that a couple of times where, you know, he just, he needs to throw the ball uh, with the right touch for the throw. And, um, you know, so that's a, another area of growth for him. Um, a couple other things that that stood out uh, that uh, actually really hurt Texas um, that they didn't have control over. There's a a keeper by Max Duggan that uh, picked up nine yards when they were um, kind of uh, in their own in their own red area. And uh, Jared Wiley had a block uh, where he held Jade Barron, and it was so blatant. Um, it happened right in front of the play that yeah. you know Wiley was going off the field laughing about it. Um, that was two plays before the Kendra Miller's touchdown run. Um, you know, so that call had gone against TCU instead of, you know, having a first and 10 and, and scoring that 75 yard touchdown two plays later, they would have been, you know, looking at that second and long uh, back inside their own 10 yard line, a uh, pretty pivotal moment in the game there. Uh, then Texas got the ball back. Uh, they're looking at, you know, third and 10. They're trying to hit Xavier worthy on a whip route. He ended up getting held out of that play. Uh, when Quinn Ewers was trying to find him, didn't get that call. Uh, so, you know, a couple plays that went against Texas uh, in key moments in the game there, they're late. Um, and I thought, you know, man, uh, Quinn was close to hitting that, um, hitting that play to, um, to Tavian Sanders on, on fourth and 17 um, when they had the ball, um, you know, trying to come back in that game. It was an out and up route and, and pretty difficult throw, but, um, you know, almost inch perfect and, you know, good defense from from Hodges Tomlinson. He really had a, a sensational game and, you know, Sanders just wasn't able to to quite come down with that one. So I think, you know, a couple a couple throws that, that Quinn made that um, were good, good quality throws that, um, you know, didn't result in a touchdown one because of the pass interference and then, you know, one as a result of, uh, you know, just another good play by Hodges Tomlinson. And there was also, I think, four or five just awful drops from the wideouts too, that we've touched on. Xavier Worthy had two, Javon Sanders had one, Roshan Johnson had one, Jello Billingsley had one. So all that kind of have to factor into Ewers' performance. Joe Klatt and Trent Dilfer uh, had some thoughts after the game West Cup that I found really intriguing. And they both touched on his footwork and that they both agree that 
viewers relies too much on his arm talent and doesn't focus on the little things that make a quarterback a winning quarterback, and that is focusing on the footwork and going through your progressions and eye manipulation. Just curious what your thoughts on were that, because it, it does seem like yours maybe is relying a little bit too much on that, considering that he's had so much success at the high school level that now he's kind of facing more adversity, probably for the first time in his football playing career. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, really don't see very much eye, manip- uh, eye manipulation on him, um, you know, on, on film really at all, uh, you know, multiple times in that game where he was really, you know, predetermining his reads, um, a couple throws to Jatavian Sanders, um, you know, one, I thought down on the goal line, Sanders could have helped them out a little bit uh, when they settled for that field goal that was on uh, third down. It looked like he was running a stick route, you know, the route that Texas used a lot when uh, Vince Young was uh, throwing to, um, you know, David Thomas. Uh, back on that in that national championship run and uh there's a, a safety um you know who knocked Xavier Worthy off of his route and then when he did that that kind of put him um in the passing lane and you know if Sanders had just tried to space that a little bit um yours would have had a, a throwing lane and instead um he ended up throwing it high hoping that Sanders could come down with it um so I think some of the little things um you know the ability to be on the same page um, with the wide receivers, especially worthy at times, um, you know, that's an area where both sides uh, need to get better and, and improve at that, um, you know, particularly from Quinn with his with his ball placement. But, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of room for growth. And, you know, I think some of that just, um, you know, as we talked a little bit about on Monday, just kind of losing it, losing his confidence um, a little bit during that game, you know, really pressing to find things and, and just really. Uh, struggling to get into a rhythm. But, um, you know, I also thought that there was a take from Cedric Golden today where, you know, he thought that Texas went away from Bijan Robinson a little bit too early. Um, I don't really agree with that. I don't, I don't think that they're really going to be able to find anything in the running game in the second half if they had stuck with it. Um, you know, Texas was getting stuffed on 45% of their running plays in that game and, and just uh, very little. Didn't have a run over longer than 10 yards, and I just don't think that they're going to be able to break one. And, um, you know, that will probably figure in, you know, heavily to the Kansas game plan as well because uh, the Jayhawks are good at, at not giving up explosive runs, and I would expect them, you know, to kind of do the same thing that TCU did uh, really have their linebackers coming downhill quickly, hoping to keep the Texas offensive linemen from being able to work to the second level. And then the safety is really coming down, uh, you know, quickly as well and, and not really worrying about having balls thrown over the top and, and playing a lot of man coverage on the outside and uh, really seeing if Texas can, you know, either move the ball, uh, working on the perimeter or kind of intermediate over the middle or, or being able to, to hit it over the top. And, uh, you know, the ability to do that, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, really lacking for Texas right now. And I'm not sure that's uh, something that, that Sark should really uh, try to lean on as much as he did um, in that TCU game because, you know, Texas just in so many third and long situations because of the issues with the, the running game and the inefficiency in the passing game when they were trying to throw downfield. The offensive success Texas found in the second half was when Sark moved to spread personnel. Running, running in in the bunch set or in the tight formations just was not working. TCU was daring Texas to throw, and finally, you know, Sark started to open up the playbook a little bit more and spread out his guys, and that's when Texas was able to move the ball down the field. You can argue that twelve touches for your best player is not enough, but 
there was other ways to get him involved in the game plan. But overall, the, the what hurt Texas most, I think, offensively was the lack of red zone success. Two trips, the red zone, come away with three points. I mean, if you score a touchdown there instead of a field goal, it's a 10-7 game. It's a completely different game. I know TC goes down and scores, but even 17-7 compared to 17-3 is a completely different ball game. But if there is a get-right game for Quinn Ewers, it might be this week considering – Kansas's defense is still not that great. I know their offense is, is one is top 10 in the country in some metrics, but overall defensively, Westcott, this is a Jayhawks defense that gives up about 6.2 yards per play, which is 107th in the nation. What have you seen from the Jayhawks defense? And, you know, do you have confidence that Quinn Ewers can have a, you know, a pretty decent game? Um, it's, going to be a really bad sign for Texas uh, with their matchup against Baylor and with Quinn Ewers uh, moving forward into the bowl game if he can't have quite a bit of success against Kansas. Uh, they give up a lot in the passing game. Uh, this is a bad defense. Um, they're number 99 um, in in defensive uh, FEI. Uh, you know, just going through some of the stuff uh, they allow often, you know, as you mentioned, kind of the yards per play, they allow offenses to operate with a high level of efficiency. They allow touchdowns at a high rate. They allow opposing offenses to gain a lot of value from every drive. Uh, they're about the worst team in the country uh, in first down rate. Uh, they're one of the worst. Con- uh, they're one of the worst in the country at forcing uh, busted drive rates. Really, the only thing that keeps Kansas from being one of the absolute worst defenses in the country is that they rank number sixteen nationally in defensive turnover rate. Yep. Uh, they're plus six in turnover margin. They have nineteen total turnovers gained. Uh, so, you know, in the passing game, they don't do a very good job. Um, you know, at at limiting big plays by opposing teams, but they do have uh, 11 interceptions. So they're extremely opportunistic when opposing quarterbacks uh, put the, put the ball at risk. Um, they have seven different guys who have interceptions uh, led by a cornerback, Kobe Bryant, who has three. Um, one of the really strange stats from, from Kansas is that they have eight fumbles gained. Uh, they only have four forced fumbles. Uh, so the opponents have fumbled 10 times. Only uh, four of those are, are actually forced by Kansas, and they managed to recover eight of them. So, you know, if Texas is on that spectrum of having, you know, really poor um, fumble luck, you know, really that scoop and score by Jade Barron was one of the few times, um, you know, when they have fumbles uh, go in their direction other than at the end of the Iowa State game. Hey, back-to-back you know, Kansas- weeks, Westcott, Kansas State too. <laughs> Yeah, Kansas State as well. Uh, so a little bit, a little bit better luck, uh, you know, kind of in, in key situations. But you know, overall, not a lot of fumble luck for Texas. An incredible amount of fumble luck for Kansas. I don't know if I've, you know, just in, in kind of preparing for games. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. They've only forced four fumbles, but they've re- been able to recover twice as many. Uh, so Texas, you know, needs to, especially on the road, needs to protect the football. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers needs to do a good job of, of not putting the ball at risk. Uh, but this is a defense, um, you know, that just gives up a lot of big plays in the passing game, um, you know, that that should be there for Texas. Unfortunately, you know, they're not built really to be able to do that right now. Um, 
Kansas doesn't force a lot of tackles for loss. Um, they only have 49 on, on the season. Um, so, you know, really getting Texas uh, behind the chains and, and off schedule, I think maybe a little bit more difficult for this Kansas team, probably a lot more difficult actually uh, than TCU, which is now, you know, a top 15 defense after that game in, in, in FEI. Um, so I would expect, you know, Texas to have more success at the point of attack running the football. Um, but I would also expect, you know, as I mentioned that, you know, I think Kansas is going to be really aggressive uh, trying to take away the running game. Um, you know, just kind of in looking back over how the season has gone, I'm surprised that teams have waited into the second half of games after they've given up, you know, some kind of big game changing runs in a fair number of those games to really uh, try to take away uh, what the you know the Texas running game is trying to do and really daring Quinn Ewers to beat them that may have been uh, because you know he played at, at a high level against Oklahoma started off at a high level against Alabama uh, and played you know a reasonably decent game against Iowa State um, but if Texas does you know get into those long down and distant situations um, they've really struggled to get out of them all year um, on passing downs uh, they're uh, one of the bottom 15 teams in the country. Yeah, the turnover thing is not new for Lance Leopold's Kansas Jayhawks. Think back to last year's loss to KU. Texas had four Can turnovers. I Can I not? Sorry. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we have to do that. We're going there. I game. mean, right. four I turnovers for four turnovers for four Texas. turnovers. Casey Thompson, Hudson Card each had an interception. They each had a fumble. Kansas had zero turnovers and Texas lost by once. So opportunistic is definitely the right word. I mean, it's the only reason why they've even really been even in some of these games. I mean, against Oklahoma, they gave up 700 yards, but they forced four turnovers, sorry, three turnovers, and they only lost by 10 points. I mean, how many how many times do you give up 700 yards on the ground and you only pick up 430 yourself, nearly outgained by 300 yards, and you only lose by 10 points? They forced four in the Oklahoma State victory, and they're bowl eligible for the first time since, I believe, the Todd Reesing era, West Scott. And it seems like they're, the directory of this Kansas program really changed against Texas. And since then, this offense has been on fire. And even after the Jalen Daniels injury that happened before the Oklahoma game, they haven't lost a step. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, um, you're welcome, Kansas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that you know they they have still been performing at a at a high level offensively. Uh, one of the top teams in the country um, in converting third downs and in yards per play, um, in rushing yards per game, uh, rushing yards per attempt. Uh, Jason Bean is a backup quarterback. Uh, not really sure who's going to end up playing in that game. Uh, yeah. Jalen Daniels has been warming up before the previous three games. He's missed the last four, was out for most of that game um, against TCU. 
Oh, man, we didn't even talk about this. Texas, lucky to get through that game without Quinn Ewers being injured. TCU has been uh, knocking out quarterbacks left and right this year. Uh, So that happened to Kansas. That really derailed them. They'd been off to that 5-0 start. Jalen Daniels was getting, um, you know, a lot of of talk in the Heisman conversation. Uh, Kansas was ranked. Uh, Since then, they've lost five out of the last uh, six games, including that game to TCU. Uh, but it hasn't really been a result of, of poor play for Jason Bean. He's a North Texas transfer. Like Daniels, he's really dynamic with his legs. Um, you know, I've seen he's he's efficient. He's completing almost 65% of his passes, averaging 9.6 yards per attempt. So he's a guy who's able to drive the ball down the field, uh, extremely dynamic as a runner, uh, tough to bring down once he get, gets into the open field. Uh, he's thrown 14 touchdowns, uh, only four interceptions. And, you know, kind of going back to that Kansas game last year, uh, the hero on that two-point conversion was the freshman walk-on tight end, Jared Casey. He's actually turned out to be a good player. He had a 66-yard touchdown catch on a fourth and one, you know, on a really aggressive play call, uh, getting him, you know, vertical down the field and, and uh, ended up finishing that. He's got 11 catches for 186 yards, three touchdowns this year for Kansas. Uh, they've, you know, spread the ball around. They have uh, t- another tight end who has 274 yards and five touchdown catches on on 20 catches. That's Mason Fairchild. Uh, three wide receivers with 21 uh, to 36 catches. Uh, those guys have uh, 13 um 13 touchdowns combined. Uh, Lawrence Arnold, the sophomore wide receiver, he's averaging over 17 yards a catch. Quinn Skinner, also a sophomore wide receiver, averaging over 16 yards per catch. So this is a very explosive Kansas offense. Uh, they'll stretch the field vertically with the running ability, whether it's Daniels, um, you know, who uh, Leipold says is really, really close uh, to coming back, or, or maybe it's Jason Bean. He had to leave that game against Texas Tech. Um, I believe that was in the late in the fourth quarter. Uh, he took a hit on a sack. Uh, he was limited in practice on Monday. Um, so it's possible that, you know, all three quarterbacks for Kansas could be available. It's possible that Bean and Daniels aren't available. I, I would be a little bit surprised by that. I don't think Texas is, is going to see the, the freshman uh, Kansas quarterback who came in late in that game um, against Texas Tech. Uh, but both quarterbacks, uh, Bean and, and Daniels, have been playing at a high level. Uh, they have some kind of overlapping ability. They're both efficient. Daniels was also averaging over nine yards per attempt. He had 11 touchdown uh, passes to only one interception. Uh, their passer rating is very similar, uh, both over 170. Uh, Bean hasn't really created as many yards per game, um, you know, as Daniels did when he was in there. Uh, but both of those quarterbacks have been playing at a high level uh, for Kansas this year and will, you know, uh, pose some problems for the Texas defense, uh, whichever one the Longhorns end up seeing on Saturday. Ethan Fasco was the freshman quarterback who came in. Bean's been injured the last two games. Leopold said he's got some sort of injury to his midsection. You mentioned he was limited in practice Monday. And then regarding Jalen Daniels, Leopold's hoping that he plays, he said, in either one or two games the rest of the way. Obviously, there's two games left. So I wouldn't be shocked if Daniels plays on Saturday just because it is Texas. They're going to try. And, you know, each every team that plays Texas is going to try and be at their best. And obviously, Daniel provides – a different ability, a different dynamic for this Kansas team compared to Jason Bean. Just curious from what you've seen from Daniels, what is that for Texas fans who do not want to go back and rewatch last year's loss? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, Daniels uh, played well in that game against Texas. Um, 
21 of 30, completed 70% of his passes, uh, threw for three touchdowns, not super explosive in that game, 6.7 yards per attempt, uh, 202 passing yards. Um, but he did, you know, hurt Texas a little bit with his legs. He had 45 rushing yards, uh, one touchdown run in that game. Uh, so, you know, Texas has already struggled with him. Um, you know, Jason Bean, like I said, you know, been playing at a high level. And, uh, you know, that's not it, you know. Kansas will run uh, some of the kind of like modern spread triple option stuff. They're actually pretty talented at, at, at running back. Um, Devin Neal, their sophomore, uh, he's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. He'll probably go over 1,000 rushing yards for the season in this game. He only needs uh, 49 yards to hit that threshold. He's got seven rushing touchdowns. Uh, Daniel Heshaw, he's got 259 rushing yards. He's averaging almost six yards per carry. He's got five touchdowns. Uh, and then they have another uh, sophomore running back, Sevion Morrison. He's averaging eight and a half yards per carry. So a lot of guys that Kansas can run in there um, at the running back position. They've all been productive. Uh, Neal is uh, particularly explosive. Uh, one of the more talented running backs that Kansas has had um, in the last decade or so as they've struggled. So he'll be a real challenge for the Texas running game as well, especially in concert uh, with those quarterbacks and, and their mobility. And the rushing attack directly correlates with their ability to win outside of the Iowa state game in each of their wins, they've rushed for over 200 yards and in their losses, they have it. And looking back to last year's game, I know you don't want to West Scott, but they gashed Texas for about five yards per carry. Devin Neal had 143 yards on the ground, 218 yards total. And Texas comes in with a, a pretty good run defense, did a good job of stopping TCU until that Kendra Miller run. I think they only I think they had under what 35 rushing yards in the first half, maybe less than that, and then got over 100 in the second half. So if there's a way for Kansas to either creep in this ball game, hang around, it's going to be their ability to be opportunistic when it comes to turnovers and also establishing a run game. So it seems like to me we're going to see the classic PK defense where he's going to play pretty conservative, uh, a lot of deep zone, and just kind of force Kansas to – dink and dunk take away their ability to run yeah um not super looking forward to that um you know i thought the the defensive game plan against tcu you know as i kind of went back and, and watched it and thought about it it looked a lot like the alabama game texas was really aggressive they're bringing extra defenders off the run to to stop the zone read game uh for tcu uh, they're bringing extra defenders against the pass, uh, blitzing much more than normal. 117th in blitz rate uh, coming into the game. Uh, much more aggressive. I, I thought that had Gary Patterson's fingerprints all over it. It looked like the type of game plan that he started to put together uh, during the summer and spent significant time on it. Uh, so I agree. I think this is going to be more passive PK. Uh, type of defense from Texas. One thing that I'm really worried about, uh, the Texas defense last year couldn't get off the field against Kansas. They converted 11 of 17 third downs. That's almost 65%. Uh, second only to the Oklahoma game when they had 13 attempts. So fewer attempts in that game, uh, slightly more efficient at, at 69%. Uh, but this year, Kansas has been even better. Kansas was not a very good third down team last year. Even with that Texas game factored in, they converted less than 36% of their third downs. This year, they're at uh, almost 52%. Um, 
They've been extremely good on, on third down, not quite as good recently uh, when they've had uh, Jason Bean, uh, but still a very good third down uh, team overall. They may get Daniels back. Um, he was a guy that helped them, you know, convert 73% against West Virginia, 58% against Oklahoma, 60% against Duke. Uh, so really, you know, getting off the field is going to be huge for the Texas defense in that game. Um, I think, you know, not a ton of, of fourth down attempts for Kansas, uh, 14 attempts this year. Uh, they have gone for it five times already in November. That's something to watch out for. They may go for it a little bit more often against Texas. Uh, certainly the Texas Tech game, you know, they were susceptible to that. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, the bend but don't break defense uh, may not work particularly well in this game for Texas. Uh, Kansas is scoring uh, touchdowns when they get into the red zone at over 70% this year. Uh, again, that's an area they haven't been quite as good uh, as they've gotten into their two games in November. Um, five touchdowns on 11 red zone attempts. Uh, that's under 50% for them. They're over 83% in August and September. Uh, they're over 71% in October. Uh, so this is a Kansas team that when they get down into the red zone, They've been able to figure out ways to score touchdowns for most of the season, with the exception of those last two games. Yeah, 51% on third downs is straight up ludicrous from Kansas. And Texas defensively on third downs, you might have already brought this stat up, Westcott, but you know, they give about 41% the third downs, which is 94th in the country. Kansas, not great on third down defensively either. They give up 40, 46% first downs. 122nd in the country, but Texas has been abysmal on third downs. They were what one for 13 against TCU. They're 79th yeah. in the country. So third downs could also play uh, a big part in this game. Yeah. Texas, uh, Needs to stay ahead of schedule. They need to be able to pick up positive yards with the running game. They need to be more efficient in the passing game. Um, you know, getting off the field, that's going to be tough for the defense. Kansas, number seven nationally um, on, on converting third downs this season. Um, not very far behind U uh, UTSA, number four. We saw how, how much trouble uh, Texas had getting off the field with some of those uh, sustained drives against the UT, uh, UTSA team that was uh, all types of banged up along the offensive line. And this could be just kind of similar where Jeff Trailer kind of threw the kitchen sink at Texas, right? We saw some trick plays. We saw the onside kick. We could see the same thing from Lance Leopold. Did they do an onside kick in that game last year? I know they went for two, obviously, in overtime to win it. I, did they do some sort of onside? I, they definitely had a trick play touchdown, right? Um, I don't remember. I can probably look it up. Yeah, Trevor Wilson, he's a receiver. He had a he had a passing attempt in that game yeah let's just try and burn uh that 2021 game in the back of our brains if we can and i don't know if winning this game will help amend that loss but it's been something that steve sarkisian and, and the team has talked about so in a weird way um i think it's gonna help this texas team because usually you're playing in lawrence it's the second to last week you're coming off a loss this is a game that texas has had so much trouble playing and you think back to the trolley strong loss uh, the Case McCoy year where you had the lead, a come from behind victory in Lawrence. But Vince Young, 2004. Yeah, there's always weird things happen in Lawrence. This is obviously a game that KU will be fired up for. I mean, Lance Leopold's giving away free tickets to students just to fill up uh, the football stadium. 
And then one quick amendment, uh, they did rush for over 200 yards against Texas Tech, still lost that game 43-28. to 28. Uh, Any other takeaways from the Jayhawks this year? Yeah, uh, you know, Texas hasn't played well in, in Lawrence. Um, I think probably some years they came in, uh, they're probably overlooking them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they've had some really dead crowds during those years, particularly, you know, the 2016 game. I think, you know, a fair number of students started showing up during that game when they had a chance to win that one. It's going to be a much different environment in Lawrence than it typically is when Texas comes to town. Um, I would expect, if not a sellout, close to a sellout at Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. Uh, and I, I think because of that loss last year, uh, because of how well Kansas has played at times. I think Texas will be much better prepared uh, to come in and play this game than they have been in the past. Uh, but, you know, some of the, um, you know, advanced stats are, are predicting a, a really close game. I know Stats of War, you know, has Texas a, as barely um, a favorite right now in this game. Uh, the matchup predictor for ESPN's FPI um, is much uh, different than that. It has Texas as as a 77% favorite. Uh, Texas is about, I don't know what the latest DraftKings odds were they started off as about. Minus nine right now. Minus nine. Yeah, Texas is a nine-point favorite in this game. Um, I would expect it to to lean more towards the stats of war uh, prediction. I, I you know, don't think they really have a 77% chance of winning this game, especially with, you know, how the passing game has been performing uh, for Texas recently and, and the explosiveness, you know, of that Kansas offense. Um, so I think this is going to be a tight game for Texas. And, uh, you know, it's going to come down to to some of those uh, plays in the margins. And, you know, they they really need to avoid uh, giving up those, those big chunk plays. So, you know, if Texas is, you know, kind of uh, going back more towards the, you know, their passive play then uh that, that won't surprise me and, and i understand that uh to some extent but man i wish that uh you know the texas defense would come out and play with the level of aggressiveness uh that they did against alabama and tcu because i feel like that really energizes the team um and i i think it just unlocks a level of play from them uh that they don't really get when they're just sitting back and, and trying to absorb blows from other teams didn't stats of war predict a texas victory over uh, over TCU this past weekend, though, um, his metrics might have. I don't. I don't know that I re- recall seeing that uh, before the game. Weather update for Saturday: thirty-seven degrees, sunny, low of sixteen. Game is at two thirty, so it is going to be nippy. It feels like all those tight Texas KU games always have some weird weather in Lawrence, but it, it was pretty cold on Saturday against TCU as well, so they're probably pretty used to it. All right, our prediction time, West Scott line is minus six. What do you got for Texas-Kansas on Saturday? What's your prediction? Um, I think Texas pulls out a pulls out a narrow win. I just uh, can't really spend the next few days anticipating another loss to Kansas. This is a game where I just I don't want to watch. One, because I'm a little bit scared. Two, I, I just I can't handle more putrid offensive play. And t- Kansas yeah. is seven two to one against the spread for you degenerates out there. Texas is six and four. Obviously, they did not cover last week, but keep that in mind. They have not been a great road team against the spread under Sark so far in two years. But they did cover against Kansas State. So keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, if uh, Texas can pull pull out this victory, then uh, we'll have to get those We Own Kansas shirts uh, ready to go. Is this a good uh, Saturday to go shopping for, for next weekend? Get all your, uh, your green <laughs> beans, uh, whatever else you eat, the turkey. That yeah. might be uh, that might be better for people's health than uh, sweating through what what I'm predicting is uh, going to be another close game between uh, Texas and Kansas. But I just said I, that's a, just an embarrassing thing to have to say. Another close game between Texas and Kansas narrowly avoided the loss in uh, in 2019 at at home. Uh, so that's uh, kind of where the state of the series is for the Longhorns. Yeah, Cameron Dicker had uh, had to kick a game-winning field goal as time was expiring, which he's hey he's been doing in the NFL. He's two for two on game-winning kicks. So shout I mean, out it's Cameron. Been Dicker. A, it's been a whole week and a half since he had one. That's uh, kind of a long time for him. Yeah, I know. If if Justin Herbert wasn't getting destroyed in in the pocket, they met he may have a chance to have at least a, a game-tying field goal to go in the overtime. But shout out Cameron Dicker for taking the most of his opportunities. Hope he gets a gets a shot going forward. Did you see the uh, the video of his teammates uh, mic'd up on the sideline talking yeah. about him when uh, when he was going out for that game winning kick? Dicker, yeah. <laughs> hey, even Mike Tirico gave him a shout out. Dicker, the kicker. So, I mean, he's got. Man, if he was a was he around for the first year of NIL? I guess he yeah, was here last yeah, he year, had, so he was. Yeah, he had like a he did like a roofing commercial or something something yeah. local that I, that I remember seeing him on. Well, hopefully this game we do not see Danny Trejo because Texas should not have to punt in this one. They punted twice last year in that game. Do you think it's going to be – I'm trying to think. Let me look at what the uh, the over, over-under over is when it comes to points, 64. What do you think about that? Uh, probably taking the over in this game. Really? Even with the cold weather? Yeah, but you know, as always, this is not betting advice, so yeah. don't listen to me. But I, that would be that's my prediction. All right, any other thoughts before uh, we wrap up? Oh man, I don't know. Just uh, hope the Texas offense bounces back, bounces back. It's a uh, you know should have a big opportunity to do it, but um, you know that opportunity is in the area of the game where where they struggled so much, so. I think we'll find out a lot about Quinn Ewers this weekend. I think Sark's going to start him off easy. I think we're going to see some easy passes to Bijan Robinson, JT, Xavier to get him going because the last few weeks he has not been off to a good start. The first drives, even against Kansas State, he kind of struggled, even though they did score on that drive to start off. But I feel like Sark's going to flip the script this week. Yeah, I was a little bit jealous watching the um... – you know, the Texas Tech highlights against Kansas because their quarterback was, uh, you know, taking off and, and scrambling a lot when he didn't have anything in the passing game. Uh, that's an area of the game that would favor Hudson Card, you know, over Quinn Ewers. But, you know, I think, um, you know, if I'm Sark talking to talking to Quinn in the lead up to this game, uh, when there's times that, that Kansas is in man coverage, uh, those defenders have their back to you. If there's not a window, uh, you know, try to pick up some positive yardage instead of trying to force uh, some of those throws. And just, um, you know, if if he can scramble a little bit to keep Texas in positive down and distance situations, um, I think that could go a long way towards helping Texas win this game on Saturday. Hey, 75-year-old Matt Ryan ran for like 36 yards to help the Colts win that game. So Matt Ryan can do it. Then Quinn Ewers can do it. Was he running or was he lumbering? <laughs> lumbering is a great. Does it, word to no, describe. I was wondering if it qualified. That too bad for Sam. Uh, 
getting benched during that game after the coaching change. That's a novel situation. It reminds me just like of Colt McCoy's first year in Cleveland. But Sam, just like Colt, he's going to be in the league for a long time. Shout out Colt McCoy, too. Cardinal fans calling for Colt to start over Colin Murray. That's not how Colin Murray envisioned uh, this season would go for him. Yeah, well, hey, uh, give him some more time to play video games. Hey, Warzone 2.0 drops this week, so it's it's a busy week for Colin. All right, we're going to wrap out before Zoom <laughs> kicks us off. Uh, thanks for tuning in the Winning is Hard podcast. Check out the Longhorn Republic podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wes Scott will have his opponent preview of the Jayhawks coming out. Uh, Wednesday as well if you want more information and we'll be back next Monday to talk about hopefully a good Quinn Ewers a good Bijan Robinson game and not another loss to the Jayhawks well, no. Scott, cheers bud yeah I think we should end every podcast with a shot at Colin Murray if possible we will let's, let's change that going forward right <laughs> all right Winning's hard, really, really hard.